When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today, Jamie, we are talking about one of my favorite things in the world. Are you as excited uh, as I am here? Jim, I don't think it's possible to be <laughs> as excited as you are about ski season. I mean, it, 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 I know it for a fact it is, Jamie, because there are a lot of other people out there who are as excited as I am. I think you just, for better, worse, or otherwise, it's totally okay, are not one of them. And that's yeah. fine. That's fine. That's what makes us a dynamic podcasting duo, Jamie. Thanks, man. Your interests, my interests, a little bit different, but that's okay uh, because together – <laughs> We've got it covered, I suppose. So uh, anyway, we are talking skiing. It is that time again, Jamie. We are recording in the very latest of November, Tuesday, November 30th. Unfortunately, at the moment, we are at a grand total of zero Oregon ski resorts open. Yeah. But I'm hoping I'm snow dancing. I'm not actually doing that. I, I could be. I could snow dance, I guess. But I'm at least crossing my fingers right now that... We're going to have plentiful snow by the time this podcast releases in mid-December, but maybe we will, maybe we won't. You never really know. But Jamie, that doesn't dampen my enthusiasm at all, the fact that we don't have much snow on the ground up in the mountains at the moment, or at least at ski resort level. I'm stoked, but I'm always stoked, Jamie. So uh, <laughs> basically, we're here to level that stoke, tell you how this, uh, well, basically what's new this ski season, and uh, you know, maybe uh, spread that stoke around a bit to just continue to use uh, the standard skiing and snowboarding language throughout the top of the show here. But Jamie, uh, you recently did plenty of reporting about this. I, I respectfully bowed out of writing the ski season preview <laughs> this year. Uh, and it sounds like there is plenty to look forward to up there, yeah. as always, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Jim, hey, why don't we start with, you know, a real talk, a quick talk about the forecast. So obviously, you mentioned as you're recording this here, 
um, just about the end of November, beginning of December, there is not a lot of snow in the mountains. And so we don't have a lot of ski resorts that are yet open. But uh, weather forecasts are showing that that might change come December. And we're kind of looking at the sort of the ski season forecast looking ahead to December through February. Uh, it's looking actually pretty good. So we got, you know, a, basically a good chance of the uh, North Cascades here in Oregon, even the Central Cascades getting, um, you know, an above average amount of precipitation and above average chance of there being colder temperatures. So more snow possibly on the way here um, in December. So, you know, it's easy, I think, to kind of get a little concerned early in the ski season about things not opening up, have a little bit of a heat spell going on right now. People, you know, start naturally thinking about climate change, but there will be a ski season here in Oregon and it will be happening this winter. It's just a matter of how much snow is going to be up there. And when it's going to come, Jamie, mm-hmm. uh, the forecast you reference is from the Climate Prediction Center. That is a official government agency. Of course, you can go by the Farmer's Almanac. You can uh, you know, look at any number of sources. In reality, Jamie, uh, I believe it when I see it. As far as snowfall goes, you know, <laughs> I, I am, I fall victim to as much as the next skier or snowboarder, kind of that, you know, you check that forecast when you get settled back into your desk early in the week. Oh my gosh, you're seeing, oh, it could be a foot. It could be two between now and then. And yeah, we end up with like three or four inches. So, you know, I, I take everything with a grain of salt, but I remain cautiously optimistic about our mm-hmm. ski season. I'm pretty confident I'm going to go skiing this year. Knock on wood. You can hear it there on the table. Uh, but Jamie, good to know that uh, the Climate Prediction Center says, hey, uh, there's a, a, a pretty good chance that uh, it could be a good year out there. Uh, Jamie, the the other half of that forecast, right? And there's a lot that we don't know, couldn't know about the future of COVID-19 here in the Northwest and throughout the U.S. and world. But uh, right now in reading your coverage, kind of the upshot seemed to be a little bit more normal than things were last year up at Oregon's ski resorts. Yeah. You know, um, for that story, I spoke to Jordan Elliott, who's the president of the Pacific Northwest Ski Areas Association. And I asked him, I said, you know, what is it going to look like as term in terms of COVID protocols up there at Pacific Northwest Ski Resorts? And he said, you know, it's going to look a lot like it did before COVID. Um, not exactly, of course, mm-hmm. because there's some new, um, new measures in place that are, you know, just probably going to be permanent now. Um, you know, when it comes to like, you know, getting tickets in advance and, you know, um, touchless purchases and that kind of thing. But, you know, now in Oregon, at least we've had the removal of the, um, outdoor mask mandate. So last year, you know, they were saying, you know, wear masks when you're uh, on the mountain, when you're in lift lines. Um, and they were making sure that people who were not in groups together didn't ride chair lifts together. That is different this year. Um, what I've heard from both Jordan and from several of the ski resorts is that, um, they're going to be sort of mixing groups together on chairlifts unless you specifically ask to be put on a chairlift by yourself or with the people that you came with. So you can get that if you feel more comfortable with that. But the general rule of thumb is to kind of go back to the way things were when, when it came to that. Now that said, indoor areas still gonna need to be wearing a mask there. And a lot of ski resorts, and we'll get to this more in a little bit here, are opening up more indoor stuff, um, restaurants and that sort of thing. So. 
you know, there are going to be more opportunities to be indoors. So what Jordan recommended, and I think this is a great idea for, I mean, all of life right now, he said, you know, just carry a mask in your pocket. Yep. You never know when you're going to need one, when you're going to want one. So just have one with you um, just in case, you know, even if you plan on being outside the whole time, um, being, you know, with people, you know, or whatever, it's just always good to have a mask with you when you're at the grocery store or when you're up skiing on yep. Mount Hood. Hundred percent. I, I mean, just anecdotally, I was uh, doing some hiking at one of our favorite places, Smith Rock, uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, you know, my brother and I were getting out of the car, and I'm like, "Hey, toss a mask in your pocket just in case." You know, uh, mm-hmm. we're outside this whole time. You know, maybe only ch- planning to go in- inside any kind of structure to to use the restroom, but toss one in your pocket just. In case, and I think that's a good rule of thumb. Basically, whatever you're doing in areas where you're around other people right now. Exactly. Um, but to your point, Jamie, I mean, a, a couple of upshots there. One, if you're inside anywhere in the state of Oregon in a business in a commercial space, you have to wear a mask. Is my understanding at the moment. Mm-hmm. So that's no different than your quote unquote normal life when you're up at the mountain. Hundred percent. Secondarily, is in theory, I think we could see some alleviation of uh, lift line clogging uh, this year because of that. Uh, you know, loading full chair lifts unless otherwise stated. Of course, that's not to account for people maybe staying closer to home and going skiing at Oregon resorts or Washington resorts instead of doing a far flung ski trip because of the pandemic. Um, that's not to account for more folks perhaps getting into the sport if that is in fact the case. But, uh, it is to say those cheerlifts will, it sounds like by and large be full or more full than they were last year mixing of parties and uh my fingers are crossed for oregon skiers and snowboarders that that results in uh, a little bit less wait times in the queue uh to get on the chairlift Mm -hmm. and uh you know uh i I think uh, as long as folks feel safe doing that that is a a positive thing yeah the caveat here of course is you know covid can change rapidly with new variants as we've seen before so just keep an eye on local uh, public health authorities and ski resorts um, be prepared for more stringent, uh, you know, mask requirements if if that happens. But Jim, I think, you know, kind of those couple of big pieces aside, um, I think we should maybe just go down uh, one by one and check in with each of these individual big uh, ski resorts here in Oregon. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the... I would say vast majority of, or at least a, a heck of a lot of the folks listening to this show, you're skiing either up on Mount Hood or, uh, I would say Mount Bachelor is the, uh, other largest draw in the uh-huh. state. I think that's undeniable. Uh, Jamie, why don't we start with the, uh, the fan favorite or one of the fan favorites? Reasonably all these places are, but Timberland Lodge has some level of new news for us this year. Uh, what'd you learn? Yeah, so Timberline is the sort of big the big thing at Timberline is the opening of Summit Pass, which is basically a rebranding yeah. of the uh small Summit ski area which is located just off of US 26 and Government Camp. If you've driven across uh mm-hmm. the mountain, you've seen it, I'm sure. Um so this is basically merging now officially with Timberline this year, um following its sale to Timberline back in 2018. Um, but it's adding basically nearly 600 vertical feet to Timberline's overall footprint. And the idea, this is what Timberline Lodge has said, is that they want to eventually connect their main ski area with Summit Pass via some mechanism. I, yeah. I mean, I can imagine 
a lift system, I guess. Yeah. You're going to say the G word, Jamie? What's what's the G word? <laughs> the G word is gondola. Oh, uh, that would be someday, great. Someday, you know, the, that is uh, – I've done – some reporting that you know they some sort of lift system that yeah. would take folks from govy uh government camp up to uh timberline ski area whether that's you know uh, and this is of course pure speculation but to the you know some level of its existing lift system or all the way to timberline lodge or what that would look like that's not what we're going into here the eventual grand plan would be to connect the two in some way and the two being timberline and summit pass it would make sense um, this year, though, Summit Pass is basically just going to be utilized as an area for beginner skiers and snowboarders. You can purchase uh, basically a more affordable season ticket there if you want to do that kind of bunny hill experience for about $200 a piece. Um, and I think, you know, Jimmy, I mean, you tell me, but that, that seems like for someone who just wants to get their, their feet wet and just, you know, kind of go downhill, um, that seems like a decent place to kind of start that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that is the spot. You've got a younger cousin who wants to learn how to ski. You uh, are trying to uh, teach a friend. You're trying to learn yourself. Really good place to do it. It's an affordable place to do it. It's not an intimidating spot. Not that any of the resorts are specifically intimidating. You know, a, a low-key experience where there's no terrain there um, where you're going to find yourself, uh, you know, teetering at the edge of a run that is – a bit too uh too fierce for you a bit too steep yeah. uh you know terrain that you are uncomfortable with some very gradual uh very good place to learn a very good place to introduce newcomers to skiing and snowboarding let's see where to go next uh how about just across uh US 26 to Mount Hood Ski Bowl Jamie yeah so um ski bowl and they're not a huge a lot of huge you know big headlines coming out of ski bowl this season um, one of the big ones though is, uh, for night skiers, actually. So a lot of folks like to do night skiing, um, come up, you know, later in the afternoon or earlier in the evening. Um, the resort at Skeeple there, they've, they've basically updated all of their lights, um, with new LED lights, which should serve the dual purpose of both reducing energy consumption, which is great and preventing, providing better lighting for night skiing, they say. So, um, Skeeple has 36 night runs. Um, yeah. It's considered the largest night skiing area in the country. That's a big statement. Um, I, <laughs> I'll i take their word for it unless you know a different gym. But um, that seems like a really cool opportunity for folks who want to get out there and do some night skiing and, you know, not necessarily go all the way up to Timberline or, um, you know, make a whole big deal of it. Yeah. Uh, night skiing at Ski Bowl, solidly good time. Jamie, 10 of 10 would recommend. Another I mean, great way to, uh, oh, geez, I've been tracking the forecast all week. It looks like it's been a good one. And uh, hop in the car with some some buddies after work and get in a few hours of skiing before you have to go back to the real world and, uh, you know, tend to life obligations and work and so on and so forth. It's amazing what a few hours of skiing midweek will do for you. And being able to do that during the nighttime, big help. So, uh, and I'll say the LED lights, I have not skied under them yet at Ski Bowl, but I will say that should make a, a pretty notable difference having a brand new lighting system there. Uh, not that it was poorly lit by any means beforehand, but, uh, you know, it, it can be a little bit difficult no matter where you are night skiing, um, to kind of get used to the shadows and get used to the way the light hits the snow at that hour, you know, coming off the, the artificial lighting. And, uh, I bet the LEDs are going to look great. 
yeah, that that should be a good upgrade for anyone. You know, um, that that kind of the bright light coming off the snow should just be able to help. Like you said, you know, get rid of some of those shadows, which I imagine are just uh, not, not not what you want going down a run. Uh, well, Jim, let's let's head over to the the last uh, resort here on Mount Hood, uh, Mount Hood Meadows, and uh, their their big uh, announcement this year is basically the it's it's kind of like a, I guess it's not, it's not really a big announcement this year because we talked about it last year. Yeah, we did. Which is the new Sahali Lodge, uh, which yes. opened last year and offered some limited grab and go options. But this year, it's expected to be fully functional. Mm-hmm. So, operating the new Sahali Grill, Wildflowers Cafe, and the Bullwheel Bar, all of which will have indoor seating. So, indoor seating, like we mentioned at the top of the episode, um, you know, that's an area where you're allowed to be without a mask at your table, like any other restaurant. Yep. Um, but you know, while you're kind of moving about the building, got to have your mask on, um, this year at Meadows is also going to mark the return of full day kids ski lessons, which parents everywhere I'm sure are very (laughs) happy about. Um, those are canceled last year due to the pandemic and lessons now will include, uh, indoor supervision and lunch for kids ages seven to 14, um, with half day lessons for younger kids. And, um, the one downside daycare services are not available at Meadows this year. So, um, if that's what you're looking for, uh, that's, that's just, a, I think another tough, uh, victim of the pandemic here, but, um, definitely a good big plus for bringing the kids back out of the slopes and, and teaching them how to ski. Gotta love it, Jamie. Start them young. Uh, they'll be shredding downhill, uh, faster than their parents in no time. Good, bad, in control, out of control, or otherwise, uh, he'll be on the move. Now, I mean, I always joke, man, that, you know, you get some of those kids, they're, you know, four feet tall and they are ace skiers. Uh, it just gives me so much joy to see little kids having a great time up there. It is so fun and invigorating, great activity, regardless of your age and a fun family time. Cool to see the families out there enjoying the slopes together. Uh, and Jamie, I'll say, you know, with Meadows, uh, kind of fully opening its new lodge, uh, that just helps simply spread out crowds in uh, a facility like Mount Hood Meadows, which is boundlessly popular and, uh, can get crowded uh, in its kind of existing lodge facilities. So uh, Sahaley is a uh, welcome upgrade, I'm sure, to folks up there. I've not been in the new lodge despite going up to Meadows a number of times last year. So uh, that is definitely exciting. Uh, Jamie, we we have yet to hit uh, kind of the biggest draw outside of uh, the Mount Hood resorts. Of course, there are other ski resorts in Oregon, but among them, Mount Bachelor is the most popular. And Jamie, there has been a little controversy surrounding Mount Bachelor uh, this fall um, surrounding what the resort is billing as its new fast tracks pass. Say that 10 times fast. Um, I will not. I I also won't because that is not good podcasting material. No one needs to hear it. But basically what this is, Jamie, uh, and I mean, you know as well as I, but it's a a $49 daily add-on pass. So in addition to what you've already paid to be there, that lets skiers bypass lift lines, essentially, using a dedicated fast lane, basically. That is... Didn't go over well with some, that announcement. Um, it received criticism 
notably from Senator Ron Wyden, who asked uh, the resort's parent company uh, to basically delay implementation until the company uh, I mean, to quote him directly, adequately explains to the public how the Fast Tracks program will not exacerbate equity issues that already exist in outdoor recreation. So, Jamie, a lot to unpack there. I don't know that we fully need to go there, so to speak, but um, that's a new thing. Whether you like it or you don't, it's something to be aware of um, heading into the 2021-2022 ski season. Yeah. And I mean, you know, just to to go there just a little bit, I mean, it's not something that is um, necessarily so surprising to see at this kind of place at like a ski resort. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's basically the exact same idea of like the fast pass at Disneyland. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so it's not like this is some great big new idea. Um, but this is something, you know, people in Oregon are, of course, very sensitive to there being equity issues. Um, and you know, there being any sort of unfairness about who gets to go up. And, um, so naturally this has sort of caused a bit of concern among some people in Oregon. So Senator Wyden had asked them to delay implementation, but as far as I can tell, Jim, fast tracks passes are still available to purchase online. So it seems like that it is kind of moving forward. Yes, sir, it is. And Jamie, just a couple other notes uh, at Mount Bachelor, the Snowblast Tubing Park uh, right down there by Red Chair, that is no longer going to operate, allowing the Red Chair to operate every day. Um, and a couple of other quick things. And the ski resort has a new app. It's going to allow you to track your turns, lift updates, whole deal like that. And uh, a park uh, called the Woodward Start Park will again offer uh, free access to folks uh, trying to access um, a couple different uphill uh, travel methods. I think we've got at least one or two chairlifts or, you know, kind of conveyors there. I forget exactly what they are, but um, ways to get beginners involved without a uh, lift ticket price tag. So. That's a cool thing for those learning families, friends, loved ones among us to be able to go up there and not uh, fork over any cash for a lift ticket, not swipe that card uh, to just be able to go and get some learning opportunities in on some beginner train there. Yeah, Jim, one of the, the takeaways I'm seeing from from just all these updates, great news for people who are learning how to ski whether you are a child uh, or you are an adult looking for just some areas to practice. Um, it seems like the uh, ski resorts are really making an effort to make some of those opportunities available for people this season in particular. You've got it, Jamie. It is a sport that you can enjoy whether you are three years old or 93 years old, uh, physical condition permitting. Uh, so got to encourage everyone to if you can get out there, give it a try. I uh, will shamelessly endorse skiing till I'm blue in the face, but hopefully <laughs> I don't need to get there, Jamie. Uh, I don't need to get blue in the face talking about why folks should get outside and do some skiing. And we are going to talk a little bit more about Oregon's ski season to come, or maybe, hopefully, ski season's already here right after a short break. All right, folks, we are back talking about Oregon skiing. Jamie, it is the season, a season I love. Mm -hmm. And we have covered a lot of what's going on at some of Oregon's ski resorts. But a 
couple other things we should probably note. General ski season housekeeping, if you will. You got to get yourself to the mountain. Uh, you got to be safe. You got to pack yourself adequate clothing, be prepared, all of that action. Uh, let's start with the roads, Jamie. Uh, this is not a simple uh, jaunt to the mountain a la summertime on Mount Hood or Mount Bachelor, where you can drive up there uh, under most circumstances without any snow, any ice. This is a time of year where you want to be practiced up on putting chains onto your tires. You want to be, of course, carrying chains uh, for those tires or be rocking actual winter tires, aka tires that have the little snowflake on them that say, this is a good tire to run in the winter time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, definitely the bring carry chains at very least know how to put them on. That's going to be huge. The other thing about driving is the traffic. I mean, let's be honest, it gets crazy. So you need to, I think, you know, at very least mentally prepare yourself for that. Um, if not find ways to go at, you know, odd hours, um, all on night skiing or on weekdays, if you have the, um, you know, the privilege to be able to do that, go ahead and do that and skip any kind of weekend traffic that you might get stuck in. Heck yeah. Um, I'm all for the, you know, if you are going up on the weekends, leave early, give yourself time. Uh, Hey, that gives you some time to, uh, hang out, eat some breakfast in the parking lot, enjoy your coffee, your tea. And enjoy the atmosphere of a lot of excited people because I'm not really trying to get my last little every minute of sleep in and then be stressed out in the car. I would rather get up there early. Mm -hmm. And then I also choose personally to, though it's not always what you want to do, end your day just a little bit early to try to get yourself out of the bulk of return home traffic. That's That's the way I do it. I'm not saying it's the only way to do it, but, uh, and of course, if everyone does it, then I'm out of luck. So maybe don't take my advice, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, I'm all for the early bird start and, uh, a little bit of an early finish to your day. Jamie, I mean, we could of course do a whole episode about the things you should have in your car, the considerations you should take while traveling through the mountains at this time of year. But like we talked about chains, uh, if you're going skiing, you're packing warm stuff to begin with, Mm -hmm. but you know, maybe an extra set of gloves in the car, maybe some hand warmers, um, an extra layer that is not part of your ski kit, you know, a a bulky sweatshirt or something cozy, um, you know, in case something were to happen, a blanket surely doesn't hurt. A shovel definitely doesn't hurt, especially if it's, uh, you know, it's actively snowing up there. Again, we can dive in and do a whole list of things that you should have for your kit, but water, shovel, warm stuff just in case. Yeah. Basic emergency supplies for your car, which are good to have in there all the time. Yeah. Um, have the first aid kit for your car, uh, have some extra food for your car. Um, I mean, just throw together an emergency kit that you would for like, I don't know, earthquake or something like that and just have it in your car with you. So no matter what season it is, but especially in the winter time, and especially if you're going into the mountains, um, you have that stuff with you should you end up getting stuck up there or should something happen. Absolutely, my friend. And of course, skiing and snowboarding are not the only two things you can do in the snow come wintertime. Uh, they may be two of my favorites, but Jamie, you can go snowshoeing, cross country or Nordic skiing. You can go just up there and go sled or just up and romp around in the snow. Uh, we're always looking for here on the show creative things to do in the wintertime. 
other than just downhill focused activities. So, uh, Jamie, what is the first one that you would indulge in, want to do this year um, when you head up to the mountain? I like the idea of tromping around in the snow. I think that's fun. I think we put so much emphasis on like, oh, it's got to be like skiing. It's got to be snowboarding. It's got to be you know, snowshoeing. It's got to be like a sport or activity. But sometimes it's fun just to like literally just be in the snow. We don't get a lot of snow down here in Portland, you know, um, or in the valley, regardless. So, to get up there and go to a snow park and just simply ex- exist in some snow is really cool and really fun. I mean, you don't have to go very far; you don't have to do a lot. But I think that's a really cool way to do it. You know, of course, like you said, Jim, there's lots of things to do. Um, I mean, some people like to go as far as doing your favorite activity, Jim, mm. uh, which is ski joring. Uh, um, you know, yes, I am. Bring, I am a, bring your a, dog. Yeah, strap yourself to your dog and strap some skis to your feet and see what happens. Just see what happens. I'm I'm a known skeptic <laughs> of uh, of this activity for the non-expert. Uh, among us, non-expert crowd, but you know what? Go try it, folks. Report back if you do. Um, <laughs> Please let I, us know. Take a video, send it into the Oregonian. Uh, you can find Jamie Hale's email address and send him all your skijoring things. <laughs> Jim Keep me out of it. I'll take them. <laughs> um, no, uh, do it. I mean, heck, go up there, bring a camp stove, uh, maybe bring a, a wind block for it too, and make yourself a hot cup of cocoa up there yeah, in yeah. a snow park somewhere. Uh, build yourself a snowman, make some snow angels, take some snowy photos. Do it up, folks. It's wintertime uh, in the Pacific Northwest, and it is a good time indeed. So, folks, until next time here on the show, you can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel. Please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast and our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details, of course, at OregonLive.com slash pod support. This episode of the show is produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Andrew Thien. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen. <laughs>